head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody to the episode 213 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the George R.R. Martin of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about, um, not the biggest week I suppose in the world of MMA, but a big week in this world of combat sports and a big... Uh, a big MMA card as well uh, next weekend, and there's a few other things as well, which we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll get to. And, and of we'll course, Liverpool well. being champions of Europe, so don't forget that. Yes, indeed. As your microphone just went insane there, it's, try, try to talk into it there, Graham, if you can. You know, when you're when you're slagging there, try to talk into your microphone so we can hear you. So, <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll, That's all you've got. We'll, That's all you've got. We'll talk about that change at the, the subject. end. We'll change about, the subject. No, I'm not. I'm not changing something. We'll talk about that at the end because <laughs> if we if we start on it now, this will be an hour of that. So let's let's not do that right now. So we'll do that at the end. How about that? Um, before we do that, we'll talk about it a little bit here because yesterday, <laughs> not about no, not about the game specifically, but when it, how it pertains to MMA. Um, the game yesterday was at the same time as UFC Stockholm, and I said it uh, during the week on over on yeah. Twitter, and a few people said it, and I, I think Pete and and Phil talked about it as well in in the MMA fighting preview. Did it? Like, how stupid was that? When you have like four or five European events a year and you put one clashing with the Champions League yeah. final. How idiotic, like. Yeah, I think the UFC don't even look at things like that. They look at, like, American NFL and stuff like that, uh, but they don't seem to look at uh, what's going on in in Europe. I think it's just they don't really care about those shows too much. Yeah, but, like, you have, you have a European office, don't you? There's an office in London. There's people... Uh, um, you know, organizing stuff out of their European office, and they can't even think of this. Like, it wouldn't have been a lot easier to have it next weekend or have it the weekend before. Like, it's could just and even having on Sunday, the one last year was on in Liverpool, wasn't it? Remember, it was a week or the day after the Champions League final, and that was okay. That wasn't the best either because Liverpool were in it, but that was you know you you couldn't count the home on of that. the Champions of Europe. You mean it, you couldn't count on that, but this this year to have it like the Champions League final started like five minutes before Gustafson versus Smith started like I, if you're listening here from America like that's the most and you don't really sports soccer or whatever that's the most ridiculous time and it's like the isn't Champions League final the biggest yeah, sporting the biggest event match the of the season like mm-hmm. it's it's world it's a world sport soccer is uh, and okay in America it's not as popular but it still is popular like it still has good audiences and all around the world it has good audiences and you think they they must have known about it was it was going down? Maybe they were just they just don't care. I think that they just don't care about things like that. It's just not that important to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these EMEA shows are not that important. Yes. They're just put on Fight Pass, put on ESPN, fill the fulfill the contract, mm-hmm. and they, they're not the ones making the big money. That money's already already been made, no matter what happens in the yeah. happens in the cards and what the what the viewer viewer rating numbers are to me it told a story though and i i think it's exactly the story you were telling there that they don't care this is like and I, i've been thinking about this over the last while and we we used to talk about it a lot on on the podcast about the you know the oversaturation and too many cards and just one card falling on top of each uh, of, of the next and this this really like to me it kind of sums it up that 
it, it's like there's just so much. It's brainless. Like it's absolutely brainless. And look, I think Philip said it very well when he was talking to Pizzi about you know the, the casual fans in Sweden are not going to be going and watching this card, whether they're watching it in the stadium or, or uh, watching it on TV. The same for BT Sport. Like it was moved off the BT Sports channel uh, in the UK and Ireland because of the Champions League final. Like it's just it's so dumb. But like these cards, just people. Did, People seem to be falling over them. They're, the cards, you know, coming up every couple of weeks, and we don't really care about them. And they're just these fights that you forget. Like there's so many fights and so many different fighters now. It's impossible to to keep a look and you know and keep up with everyone. Like even uh, Alexander Rakic, who who fought last night. You know, I think Luke Thomas did a good thing about him, saying you know how we good good he was and stuff. And you know we've seen him before. I'm sure we've talked about him the last time he fought. But it's very hard to remember like something from three months ago when in between that, how many fights is there? Probably like. 10 fight nights and 10 fights at least on each card. That's, that's at least 100 fights UFC alone. Then you're looking at PFL. You're looking at uh, Bellator and stuff. And we have to watch like most mm. of these fights. We're talking yeah. about 150 sometimes, fights probably. Sometimes even from a few months ago, a guy will be fighting again. You're like, oh, is he new to the UFC? And you look back and you're like, oh, no, I watched that card. Oh, I remember that fight now that you, yeah. you see what happens and stuff. You just completely forget about it because there's just too much information. And these guys really have to stand out for you to remember them, uh, to be guaranteed to be remembered. Mm-hmm. When before you could just be a bit of a scrapper and people would be like, you know, watching the UFC once every three weeks or once every month. And you, you kind of be remembered. You kind of be remembered just because there'd be a lot of previews and you, people have time to write good stories and to promote the fight and people have time to, the UFC have time to promote the fights and to make good promos. Like, when's the last time there's been a good UFC promo? Like, there hasn't, Actually, it was funny. They had a good one for Cowboy versus Ferguson on this card this weekend that I watched. And it was, it. I'm glad you said that because it stood out. Because there's been none. Like, there's fights. That's a really good fight. I love that fight. But there's loads of good fights like that. Every You know, there's probably 15 fights like that. Really, really good fights a year. Even, like, uh, the next week's uh, fight, Tahuda versus Marais, which we'll talk about later. Really good fight. I haven't seen a really good promo for that. Now, maybe there isn't, but I haven't seen it. But, like, that one at the weekend that I tweeted about, it stuck out to me because it was a really good promo. And it got me kind of pumped for the fight. And it's a fight like that. Yeah. It's... It hasn't flown under the radar. People are very excited about it. Maybe that's because it's Cowboy and he's a star like that. But there's loads of fights like that. And we just... Cow. It's hard to get so pumped up for him. You're getting pumped up like as they happen. The day where you look at the card or you look at Wikipedia that morning. You look at Shardog or whatever that morning. And you see the card like, oh, fuck it. That's a great fight. And that's I think that's a problem for the UFC. Because, you know, I, I watch a lot of WWE and stuff as well. And I listen to Dave Meltzer's podcast. They're great about WWE and their business. And how they kind of fell, fell off a cliff in terms of quality and in terms of... Uh, people watching because they kind of they they just overproduced everything. They all you know there's so many cars. There's five hours a week of WWE and then pay per views as well. There's just so much that people are sick of it and the quality, it it the, the good quality stuff gets eaten up in the middle of the bad quality stuff and that's what's happening I think with the UFC and I think they have to be very very careful because. This, you know, this sport is is always going to be a niche sport, and it's kind of moved away a little bit from niche to kind of almost not niche. <laughs> you know, if I, if I can put it that way. But if you lose that bit from going pure niche to almost not niche that's huge for them because then their numbers are getting from ESPN the money if they move somewhere else the money will go down and this is okay short term they might be fine but long term I think this is a dangerous dangerous game to be playing for for you know money from a, a Sweden card or money from you know a card in the middle of South Carolina or somewhere 
I think it's a very dangerous game they're playing here, and I think they need to be worried about it like more more than they are. And you know, this yeah, especially game. with the with the trying to move to ESPN pay per view, where you have to yeah. go to a bit of trouble to actually get the pay per view. You can't just apparently I don't have American TV, obviously, but you can't just pull it up on you know a certain channel like Skybox Office, for example, over here, mm-hmm. and just press press buy. You have to go to a bit of effort, sign up, go online. I think it's just it's just a good bit of more effort and people are just going to stream it like it's yeah. I've been talking about this for years like streams are getting better and better and they're just it's so easy to find if you just type it into Google or Bing or whatever any search engine you're going to find it if you do a bit of searching mm-hmm. 100% and uh, you know okay we'll get we'll get back to the UFC uh, Stockholm card in a second but you, you know you talk about streaming there and uh, Anthony Joshua versus uh, Ruiz last night Andy Ruiz like to me, I, I know lots of people are talking about, oh, this is Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas, and everything no, like that. No, it isn't. Like, uh, yeah. Tyson was like this unstoppable force. Uh, Joshua, I've been saying to you for a while, Joshua is overrated. Like, he's, he's raw. He, like, I'm not even a big boxing guy. Like, I don't follow, but I, I just, he, he doesn't have that, he doesn't have that uh, unstoppable kind of aura to him that, that Tyson had. It's, it's completely different. I, I like. I think that Joshua's really good, but I've always said that I think Tyson Fury would decimate him. I think it's an easy fight for Tyson Fury if they ever fought. What about Wilder? I don't know. I, I don't think Wilder's that. Wilder could catch him with a big shot and knock him out 100%. And, you know, Joshua's been knocked out now and knocked down against Vladimir Klitschko as well. And he was knocked down he by kinda, did, did, did he give up? Like, is that considered giving up if the ref says that you, you, yeah, I think you're he ready was, to fight and you say nothing? Yeah, I, I think he was so hurt after that first couple of knockdowns. And then he got knocked down again. I, you know, I, I think his legs were gone and he knew it, kind of. And uh, he definitely quit. Like, he 100% quit, but maybe it was the smart thing. I think that's thing, damaging to him, like, maybe. to his... To his aura, a little bit. But I, yeah. think, I think the fact that, you know, I joked about streaming there, but I think the fact that it's in America and his big fan base, most of them probably weren't watching it. Like, I think that'll yeah. actually stand him. I think that'll be a good thing. Because if they get the rematch, it's going to be a rematch now in Wembley Stadium, probably. And he'll, you know, he could win that again. Uh, and, and, you know, Law will be fine again. Like, I think the way he dealt with it as well, it reminded me a little bit of McGregor, you know, the way he dealt with it. De- dealt with it extremely well and was immediately talking about, oh, yeah, no, I want that rematch. And, you know, credit to Andy Ruiz and all. I thought that was very good. Yeah, but, uh, but it's uh, yeah, but, yeah. The rematch clause is is, uh, is always there for the the in boxing for the kind of bigger name fighter. Yeah, and um, usually, like you know, they're just they put there kind of you know people are thinking, oh, it's it's just in case, mm-hmm. and and <laughs> like the, the rematch makes makes sense straight away. But <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 if he goes out there and loses again, is that just his career over as a as a draw? Like as a if he loses Sandy Ruiz again, probably yeah, because it's maybe. like it looked like a bad style matchup. Like it looks like you know he might want to go off and fucking you know put his put, put another few professional bouts uh, yeah. before he fights Ruiz again. I know like he may not like people look at him and go ah oh, he just like this guy's crap like he just got lucky, but maybe because he because he doesn't look like if he if he was for example if he was the exact physique of, of Anthony Joshua, people probably wouldn't be calling it a fluke or mm-hmm. the biggest upset and all that kind of thing. Um, but uh, maybe it isn't the best thing for Joshua to, to take this immediate rematch, even though it's probably like, you know, uh, he's probably been told, oh, you just need, you just had a bad day or you just this or that. But he seemed desperate. Like he was in, in this corner being like, oh, what do I do? What's he going to do? Yeah. Uh, you know, he was all over the gas. Like mm-hmm. he didn't seem to be able to figure it out at all. Like, so I don't know if media rematch is, is the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not this big boxing aficionado or anything, but it, like if he loses twice to this guy, especially because like 
you know, they've been building and building as this like unstoppable knockout machine. And he, guy with a terrible physique, who you know was brought there to lose. It's it's it, it, maybe it isn't, but maybe it's becoming more like MMA where you can take a couple of losses in boxing. But historically, that would be a career ender as a as a draw or it's, as a. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see where it actually because uh, you know you make a good point there. Is, is it going a bit like MMA? And I think it probably is going a bit like MMA, but I suppose this will be a test of it, especially in England as well, because they're you know not as maybe as culture to MMA. Well, they as probably they need be. him more than anything. Like if yeah, they had they ten cop boxers, they'd probably be like you know he'd be more likely to drop off. But he's mm-hmm. like kind of the one hope. I think the, the not biggest, the one hope, but like the one kind of superstar that they're trying to build. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue here for people like us, you know, who watch fights and see can see different style matches stuff obviously you know neither of us are boxing aficionados but we know what we're watching like i think the problem with joshua is and for me i as i mentioned earlier i always thought fury would beat him i thought i thought he'd beat wilder but it, you know wilder can knock anyone out but the at heavyweight boxing there's such a golfing class between like the top three and maybe dillian white after i think he's coming up he's a good boxer as well and then the rest the fact that one of the rest beat anthony joshua makes him look awful bad like because that you know it's like light heavyweight kind of uh, in the UFC you have John Jones you have Cormier and we'll get to Gustafson but over the last few years Gustafson and then there was a big drop off to Manoa and you know even Glover Teixeira who's a good fighter and the rest like imagine if one of them beat John Jones or beat Cormier like even Gustafson at the weekend he lost Anthony Smith really get down a second that's big like that's a big big defeat for that person I think that this kind of that has taken away Joshua's aura a bit. And if he doesn't beat him again, if he doesn't take that fight, it's going to be hard to get the, that aura back. And if he does take the fight and he yeah. loses, it's 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 a big big issue for him. But you know, like, I think the most likely thing is he takes the rematch and wins. Yeah. Maybe it was because he was a short notice replacement and he probably took him a, took him a bit lightly. Maybe or he'll definitely be more prepared. I'd say for the rematch anyway. If if it is to happen next, which it probably looks like it will. Uh, He'll probably win it, but it, it's it's a dangerous fight. There's going to be a lot of pressure on. If even if it's in if it's in his hometown, it'll probably be even more pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in his home in 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 England, yeah, uh, it's even more pressure. Um, it's. Uh, Do you think those will one thing? If I was his promoter, I'd probably have him. Yeah. I'd have, probably have him fight somebody else Eddie first. Hearn, yeah, that's probably a good shout. Yeah, and he, he could do that as well because Eddie Hearn is not fucking mug, and he wants because you know his, uh, his Ruiz is going to be Ruiz. Is, even though there's not a contract, Ruiz is going to be around for a, a rematch afterwards. It might cost him a bit more money, but in the long term, if you're you're going to be able to make a lot of money off Joshua if you if you can, if you can keep him winning, Ruiz will be happy enough to want <laughs> to take that rematch. He'll fancy himself to win that fight again. Yeah. I'm sure, no problem. But like. Before we move on to, to the MMA, I suppose we better than MMA podcast. To me, you know, I, I was talking about, I saw Ariel talking about it, uh, you know, being one of those upsets we remember for the rest of our life. And uh, a few more people, so I was, Ariel was having a chat with a couple of people. That's why I said the, the whole Boston Douglas thing and all. But to me, do you think it, it doesn't seem as big as maybe things would when I was younger? And I'm not going to say I remember Boston Douglas. It was like, was it before I was even born and stuff like that? But to, to to me, like, the internet age has made us kind of realise that things like this can happen more. You know, I don't think we're as mm. kind of... I think it's more, though, if it was, like, a character like Tyson, some, like, yeah. you know, 18-year-old killer guy who's coming in, knocking everybody out in fucking 10 seconds, one minute, all this stuff, viciously, and he's saying all this, like, ridiculous shit into the, into the microphone afterwards, and he just looks scary and has a bit of personality to him. It's different. Like, he just had like, something to him that made people interested in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think any of the, the heavyweight boxers like as much as they're trying to push Joshua he just has no personality uh, I think not he does. no personality but he's got no he's got no 
he doesn't attract you. Like it's not like oh, I wonder what he's saying. Like you know, if Tyson's on the on Sky Sports News, you'd, you'd unmute it just because he could say something crazy or just it's just a draw to him that there isn't. Maybe it's just me, is, but with Joshua, there, there's definitely a draw. Like he's with Joshua. I think he's just like he's drawn a shit out of pay per view in England. Like yeah, I know, but England like they, Ricky, they be like Ricky Hatton and all them guys like good boxers and stuff. But like compared to Mike Tyson. Mm. That is true, yeah. I suppose. To, to, to kind they of to get create, that reaction, like to create a buzz, a yeah. local buzz, but like around the world, Tyson was known as like you know. Yeah. And I wonder is it MMA a little bit to do with it as well, like that we see so many shocks, I suppose, in MMA that maybe the boxing shocks don't seem as shocking, even though they're still kind of rare enough. Like I, I don't remember that being shocked that many times by by fights. Like yeah, the Chris Weidman Anderson Silva one is always the one that kind of kind of springs out of my mind and obviously the, the, you know McGregor Aldo as well just because it was so quickly you know I think I picked McGregor Anderson and Chael and yeah well that that was after five rounds that was a different kind of one though it wasn't but the whole fight was like yeah. oh my god he's yeah that was that, one, that he's, was pretty epic and stuff but like even Cejudo against TJ Dillashaw that that was big as well but it was the kind of the stoppage of that one as well you know there's a lot of ones like that that even like Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey oh, that didn't Aldo, shock me Aldo know? McGregor I, I just said that yeah yeah I, oh, cause it was just so quickly yeah that 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 one kind of win even like you know Carmier and Stipe I know that's a very even fight and Carmier was favorite maybe or whatever but the quickness of it and the way he did it as well there's you know there's lots of or Brock things Lesnar like that and Sh- Shane Carwin yeah, Jesus that was unreal <laughs> wasn't it the biggest beating yeah look I, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's it might be a bad thing for boxing because the problem with if Joshua had won last night, the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight has kind of already been announced unless they they lose one of them, which it's probably going to happen. Like no, no, and uh, Deontay Wilder fighting Luis Ortiz as well, which in a fight that he was losing for ten rounds the last time they fought, and he got a, he got the knockout as well, and that's a tough fight for him. I could see him losing that very easily as well. So you know, it's a, it's a weird time in boxing, and that's the one thing I suppose in MMA we don't have to really worry about that much either. We get almost all of the big fights we want. Like we got the Habib versus McGregor fight. You know, we got. TJ Dillashaw versus Sinri Sudan. Okay, we maybe we didn't get TJ versus DJ and we didn't get, you know, a couple of super fights before, but we're getting all those super fights right now, you know, and that's I suppose that's one great thing about uh, MMA. But look, let's let's talk a bit here about um UFC Stockholm and Anthony Smith versus Alexander Gustafsson. And I'm going to give my thoughts on this first. Like, I, I, I really think... Alexander Gustafsson obviously came out and said he retired afterwards and everything like that. And, you know, we, we, there's no need to talk about that because, you know, he'll probably be back. Or, you know, if he isn't, he, he, great. But to me, this was... This was the end of Alexander Gustafsson as, as a top fighter. He looked slow. He looked like he couldn't pull the trigger. He just... But even, he even before awful. the fight, he, he, I can't remember who he said it to or where I read it, but he was like, oh, if I can't beat this guy or if yeah, I lose did, this yeah. guy, I'm going to retire. It's like, when you're talking about that before, it's always a bit worrying. Um, he's talked about retirement before uh, as well. So I think he said if he didn't get the Jones rematch or something years ago, he was going to retire or some, something along those lines. It's just... If you're if you're not as hungry as as the other guy, it can make up for a a, 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 a gulf in, in ability or a, an advantage in ability. And if your head's not properly in it, like obviously fair play to Anthony Smith, but the best Alexander Gustafsson I think would would, would have beaten Anthony Smith. Easily. And even even after a bad performance in the first couple of rounds, it looked like Gustafsson was actually turning it around. Mm-hmm. Um, looked like he oh he might have just turned around just in time, winning the third round and doing all right in the second round, winning the third round, and then looked like he might be able to just kind of win the rounds. But obviously, fair play to Anthony Smith, like uh, putting away uh, Gustafsson with a rear naked choke is no mean feat. But it's, as you say, it's 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 not the Gustafsson we know, the top upper echelon guy. It didn't, it didn't look like him out there. 
Mm-hmm. 100%. And we talked last week about Anthony Smith and about how his biggest issue against John Jones was letting his hands go. And he did that a fair bit more in this fight against Alexander Gustafsson. And I think he did that more... He was going to always try to do it more, but he was able to do it more, I think, because Gustafson just wasn't thrown. Like, he just wasn't letting his hands go. Like, I, I always, and I probably did it last week, and I always do it, I wax lyrical about Gustafson's, like, his check left hook, and he's, when he leads with that left hook as well, just absolutely brilliant. His ability to, to circle around the fence. And I talked about if, if him and Anthony Pettis were put together, they'd be an unbelievable stand up fighter, because if Pettis had that ability to circle and dodge away from shots and get away from the fence and get away from takedowns, like Alexander Gustafson has, he'd be a fucking unbelievable fighter like and you know a lot of people didn't understand what I was saying but that's what I mean when I was talking about that but Gustafson was still doing that he was still being elusive he wasn't getting hit that much he was getting hit with a few shots but there was just nothing coming back you know he as you said I think it was in the third round he started coming out a bit landed a couple of shots landed one or two of those left hooks uh, and and uh, you know he was fighting out from the fence and he looked like he was getting his legs under him a little bit, but then it just all went kind of awry in the fourth round. Anthony Smith hit him, I think, with one big shot over the top. Um, and and, and terrible, like, tr- judo throw attempt or yeah. half-hearted judo. I don't know if it was a combination of him being tired or not committing to the position properly or Smith timing the, the takedown nicely, but it was just sloppy. It looked really sloppy and... Mm. It was. Uh, I think it showed a moment of weakness, and I think Anthony Smith saw that. And obviously, uh, he had a bit. He had to readjust a couple of times, to take the back properly, but he stayed calm. And I think Gustafsson kind of had enough. Maybe he had enough in the whole the whole MMA career. Yeah. If, if, uh, it, it looked. If determined to see, I, believe. It looked like that, didn't it? It looked like this is. This is it, lads. I'm. I'm kind of. It looked like he was pulling off his gloves to lay him on the on the canvas before it was even finished. It reminded me a little bit of. Um, uh, Chris Lieben versus Uriah Hall. I know he he stopped in his uh, in his corner and stuff, like that, and he came back as well, obviously. But it was like, oh, this is it now. I'm 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 finished. This this is kind of the end of me now. And it was the, the problem as well is when you do that game when you're running sideways all the time and uh, I. Uh, you know, people might take that negatively when I say running. I think that's a brilliant thing to do in, in that situation. But when you're doing that and you don't make the person pay, it's actually hurting you more than it's hurting them. Because you're running and running and running and you're taking gas. At least if you're doing that and you're hitting them with counters, big left hands, it's hurting them as well. Or hitting them with body shots, taking away their gas as well. When you don't do that, when you're not making them pay, it's do not only hurting you. And when you get to the fourth round, you know, we've seen Gustafson in fourth and fifth rounds before, especially against John Jones in the first fight, where he, you know, Jones came back and he hurt him a lot because Gustafson got tired that's kind of just the fighter he is but he's allowed he's able to do that and he's successful at doing that a lot of the times because he makes guys pay like look at the Glover Teixeira fight he made him pay he landed a lot of those big shots but against Smith he just wasn't and Smith is, is a really fit guy as well good cardio and that power carries and you know fair play to Smith as well I mean, we're not giving him enough credit maybe but um, you know he he got th- that takedown after that throw as you mentioned and he got the, the rear naked choke as well but what what rating would you give the fight? What are you thinking? It wasn't it wasn't a classic, was it? Um, yeah, it was a good fight. Like it wasn't a bad fight, and it had a the upset, and it had a good finish. But yeah, it wasn't like an all time classic or anything. And uh, rating probably five point seven. That's a fair rating. That is a fair rating. I, I'm giving it a I'm giving it a six point one. I just think 
I think I think we are actually underestimating what Smith did as well. Yeah, we because, are. You know, Gustafsson is not at his best and not not what he was by the looks of things. But he's still a very difficult fighter with a lot of tools. Uh, he 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 yeah. got shut down for for a lot of that fight, like and and he got finished uh, impressively. And Anthony Smith, you know, he's an unlikely kind of main eventer or contender, but. You know, if, if you're beating Gustafsson, like obviously he, he came up short against Jones, but like you're beating how good John Jones is, mm-hmm. he, he's phenomenal. Is like 100%. N- not everybody can be that good, but Anthony Smith has a lot of losses on his record, a lot of fights, a lot of wins, obviously as well. But you know, for that that like we were talking about boxing records earlier, a 32 and 14 record in boxing is, is a terrible record. But in in MMA, sometimes guys just put it to, put it all together at uh, maybe in the gym they're able to do everything or in in isolation, they're able to do every aspect of the MMA game well, but they can't put it together or they have something holding them back and he seems to have gotten over whatever that was or mm-hmm. it just all, has all clicked for him. And He's not a young guy and he has a lot of fights in his tank, but he seems to be getting better and better all the time. And It's the opposite of Rick Stafson. He, he seems to he peaked and he, maybe maybe he hasn't improved and the game has improved around him. and. His head isn't isn't as in it as it was before. Obviously, if he's if he's retiring or talking about retiring, we all know MMA retirement. It's like a, yeah. I look forward to seeing him headline the next Sweden car. But yeah. uh, you know, you, you know, if, if you're talking retirement, it's not a good sign. It's never a good sign, mm-hmm. or usually not a good sign. Yeah, and I think Smith as well. Like when you when you're kind of a fighter like him, who's kind of a knockout artist, lands those big shots to kind of adjust yourself to fight, be more of a kind of a five round fighter. Like you have to be. I talk about it so many times in this podcast when you get from contendership to, to, you know, title contendership, let's say, you have to change your game. And he did that, obviously, for John Jones. He did that for here, and that's very difficult. And it worked for him here. Obviously, it didn't work against John Jones. But he's going to be a tough prospect now for anyone he's facing because he still has that ability to knock lads out. And now he has the ability as well to fight a five-round fight and five fight a, a technical fight uh, over that, those five rounds. So Anthony Smith's going to be improving here over the next few years. And, you know, coming up for middleweight as well, I think, benefited him and... You know, it's it, it's a good time for the light heavyweight division, to be honest. There's obviously John Jones is probably going to beat everyone, but there's a few contenders coming through now, and maybe none more so than Alexander Rakic, who defeated Jimmy Manoa with just a fucking beautiful hell, head what kick. What a fucking head kick. Brilliant, wasn't it? Brutal it was. Yeah. Like, to me, like, I, I love watching these. I love combinations. You know, every, it reminds me a little bit of Cerrone. Was it against Rick Story? You know, that combination. Just yeah, like the Rick Story one yeah. was like a four-piece, though. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. But for a big lad, a light heavyweight to do that. It it was brilliant, and you know, Man- okay, Manuel's open for them a lot of the times as well. He, you know, and and fair play to him. He he comes and he tries to get that knockout, and he hit Rakic with one big fucking shot as well. And I thought, like, geez, maybe people were writing off Manuel a little bit too quickly, but Rakic came back, and he, this guy looks special as well, doesn't he? He looks really special. Yeah, it was an absolute like it's a highlight reel finish, and Manuel like he, he looked in trouble. <laughs> it looked like a one of them ones where you're like. Fuck that! That that's gonna put you out for a while. Like you wouldn't want to see him fighting anytime soon. Um, like it's 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 hard to know with with Rakic, especially before this fight, because the guys on his record, you're looking at them and thinking, you know, they're not exactly top level. But man, sorry, the dog's barking. No dog. Um, <laughs> Manoa is is not top level either, but he's just below that. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you know he's he's gone out there and absolutely bludgeoned them. And his last fight he won by uh, spinning back fist. So he's 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 making a highlight reel for himself. And the UFC are looking are looking to you know they're looking to put people on on uh, all these cards, all these way too many cards they have that like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So he 
he could get a push quick and in that division there isn't really there isn't really that much beyond beyond the, beyond the top so he, he could get fast tracked so you know it, it could be a case that he's ready maybe he is it's hard to know in such a quick fight but he, he looks he looked as you said he threw a beautiful combination it wasn't just a a lucky shot, like obviously, there's like no shot is really lucky, but it, 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 he set it up mm-hmm. brilliantly. Like, um, Mano was very, as you mentioned, he landed a big shot of his own. He's very dangerous, especially in the first round and especially on the feet. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's it's a big win. It's a, it's a it's a statement, but it's hard to know if he's ready for the, uh, the big step next. But I, I suspect that they'll probably push him quickly because that's what they've been doing uh, since. Uh, Joe Silva left. Yeah, They've been pushing prospects quick. I think he might get the benefit because of Johnny Walker being there and because of Thiago Santos being next. I, I think he might get another two fights before he's pushed right in there and that, that could be a blessing in disguise really for him. Unless they put him in there against Johnny Walker, which would be a pretty insane fight. But I think they'll keep Johnny Walker to, to fight John Jones next after he beats Thiago, um, Thiago Santos here coming up in, in a few weeks' time. But yeah, look, Rakic looks really, really good. I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he does, does next. Uh, what do you think of this Americani versus Chris Fishgall fight? It was, I suppose it was like the tough fight for those, what, what did it go, nine minutes out that we expected with uh, Americani getting a lovely anaconda finish with the, the kind of the two lads going around the, the octagon like a clock for, for the last 15 seconds of it. But good finish from Americani, good fight. All, all yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, Fishgall was doing the right thing. He didn't let his legs be controlled, his hips be controlled. He circled out, but Americani just followed him around the... <laughs> around the mat repeatedly and until he ran out of ran out of air and tap or ran out of the elevator started closing uh, in his brain in his vision and he and he had to tap but uh, it was I thought it was a good fight up, up until then um, it wasn't like you know fish golf fights are never the, the most exciting and mm-hmm. but I, I thought it was some improved striking from Amir Khani and uh, I thought his grappling was was better than I thought it would be I thought fish golf would do a little better in the grappling department because he's a very strong grappler himself but. Uh, uh, usually he's a stronger guy, but I think the, just the, the quickness of Amir Khani uh, on the ground was, was too much. Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, after that, there really wasn't too much. Yeah. Lena Landsberg had a very good win against Tanya Evinger. I thought that was a fantastic performance. Uh, Leonardo Santos got a fucking unbelievable KO of uh, of Stevie Ray there after what, two, yeah. two minutes of that fight. Dead. Just deaded him altogether. Uh, Joel Alvarez as well got a an elbows TKO as well, yeah. and Daniel Timor I thought put on a put on a good. Yeah, that was a well. good performance. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see him mixing takedowns, but uh, he obviously see they that was part of the game plan, and uh, he, he obviously uh, he had some holes in his game himself, and maybe that's a that, that's a place that he could improve himself. But maybe he's been working on that, and maybe he's he's feeling more confident. Mm-hmm. To uh, to initiate grappling, yeah, hundred um, percent. And I suppose we we can move on to to next week's card because there's a big, obviously a big UFC card next week as UFC two three eight goes on with two title fights uh, on it and that uh, Tony Ferguson Donald Cerrone fight as well. Uh, let's talk about Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Iforce because I'm mm. feeling we won't have to talk about that too much. Does, Jess- <laughs> Does Jessica have any hope of winning this way? Well, it's MMA. <laughs> like, yeah, um, Andy Ruiz, I is it? <laughs> yeah, <sighs> she's not. Um, she's absolutely not. I'm writing her off totally. If she wins, I don't know what like, I do. What can I do? What something like Rose Namajunas, like, like you know, the Rose Namajunas fight can happen. Anything can happen. Like you can get floated like a lawn chair if you make a mistake. But yeah. uh, I just don't see um, like the the method of victories. She's coming off a split decision win over Chukagan. Jesus. 
you know, she she got a decision win over Jessica Rose Clark before that, another split decision over uh, Kalindra Faria. And before that, she lost four in a row to Beshko Hea, Sarah McMahon, Juliana Pena, and Misha Tate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's MMA, anything can happen, but besides that, uh, she's probably going to lose badly. Look, Valentina Shashinko is just going to gonna outstrike her on the feet. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jessica I stayed in there for the five rounds if a win to a decision. She's very, very tough, and you know, she's not a bad boxer either. She can she can defend herself and she can land a few shots, and she's she's heavy hands at times as well. So, I, you know, I could see her landing a few big shots mm. of Valentina, but. I'd be surprised if she won more than one round. She, you know, maybe she got takedown one round. But Shevchenko's good at getting up. She's good takedown defense. Unbelievable striker, obviously. I say she just wear her down with pressure and punches over, over rounds and get TKO late. Mm, I, I can't really see much else. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I wouldn't back a rule out a decision, but I, I could see like a fourth round TKO or something like that. I think if, if, like if there's round betting, go around four and five or something like that for for Shinko. I think that's uh, a wise like like that. like that. <laughs> four or five or something like that. And what about then Henry Cejudo versus versus Marlon Moraes? This. I find this one a little bit hard to pick, you know, watching some of their fights coming into they're they're similar yeah. enough in that they're both like to be kind of elusive on the outside and then pounce in. Henry Cejudo's more of a, not more of a not much of a not well, much of a but not not as much of a knockout artist as Marlon Moraes. You know, he kinda looks for the, maybe the combinations of shots quickly and get back out and combinations to, to end in a takedown or something like that whereas Moraes looks for those big knees through the middle the big right hand over the top he'll take his opportunity when he sees it and he won't he won't do much until he gets that opportunity he can throw his jab leg, like uh, leg kicks are very good as well yeah to, definitely to send him up but it's it's an interesting fight how would you see it going I was thinking Zahudo and then I kind of uh, I was nearly leaning towards Moraes but I'm, I'm back thinking Zahudo uh, uh, it's a really tough one to call. Like Cejudo's like not a small guy, but he's gonna be he's gonna be the smaller guy. Uh, he, I think he's definitely got to be got to be very careful, and he's got to work his. Uh, I know I know his striking has improved a lot, and he's he's shown a lot of confidence and uh, and growth in the striking. But I, I think in the early round, in the first round and the second round, and the early rounds, I think I think he'd be wise to to mix in the takedowns at least have yeah. have Marais worrying about it because he's very dangerous and he'll be, if you don't threaten him with leg kick, he he'll land heavy leg kicks and with that wide stance that that Henry Cejudo has, we we haven't really had had to see him defend that many leg kicks and maybe he has an answer for it, but maybe he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Zahudo will will get takedowns uh, if he needs to. Um, I think he's going to be faster as well and kind of try and stay on the outside a little bit when he's on the feet. But it's it's he's a very dangerous fighter, Marais. So uh, he has great knockout ability with, with lots of tools to throw striking wise, and he's no mug on the ground. It's not as if Zahudo gets him down; he's just going to be able to hold him down with ease. But he's obviously a way better grappler uh, in terms of wrestling, Zahudo uh, and. I think Sahuda's going to win, but would I be? I wouldn't be surprised if if Maurice goes out there and and wins a decision or an early an early finish. I I don't think he'll win a decision, but I I think this all. I think he can. Like if he can, if he can, if he can get them leg kicks going early and kind of yeah. take away the the takedown, uh, the bounce in the takedowns. I could see it going going a decision for Maurice, but I, I think Sahuda. I think 
it, I think this all comes down to Henry Cejudo's game plan. I think if he has a really good game plan, he'll win. And if he doesn't, he won't. You know, you mentioned the early takedowns here. I think he needs them not just to change things up and to get Marais thinking. I think he needs them to wear Marais out a little bit. Because Marais is going to be dangerous for the first two rounds, no, no matter what happens. If he gets an opportunity for 10 seconds on the feet, he can take it and he can knock him out. But if he takes him down and he lessens those opportunities, he's going to have opportunities, but if he lessens them over the first two rounds by getting takedowns, by pushing him against the fence, by wearing him out, those opportunities will still be there come rounds 3, 4 and 5, but he won't be able to take them as well because there'll be a little bit gone out of his shots, a little bit gone out of his gas tank. So I think if Henry Zahuda can do that, he'll end up winning that fight. If he can't do that, if he can't get takedowns early, if he can't be elusive, if he starts taking those leg kicks, Marais will win, like, and he'll, he'll probably end up knocking him out, because Marais can keep going and going, and, and he can get late knockouts, and he can, you know, get him early as well, whenever, but I think you have to take that ability away from him with your game plan, so uh, I think Henry Cejudo is a good game planner, even in, uh, you know, against Dimitri Johnson, that second fight where he, in my opinion, clearly lost, he still had a good game plan, and he, you know, he had a good game plan against TJ Lillishan, he came out and he tried to attack him quickly you know if he has a good game plan coming in here, I definitely fancy him. I think he's all round. He's a better fighter than Marlon Moraes, but this is upper, upper echelon of, of fighters here. These are two of the best fighters in the world, and Marlon, Marlon Moraes is really good. And in you know, in in boxing, okay, we saw that the weekend. If you're a, you're a heavy hitter, and you you know you can land a big shot, you can you can knock someone out all the time. But in MMA, that's a real thing. You know, you just have to be a heavy hitter sometimes to be able to knock guys out. A puncher's chance is more than a puncher's chance in MMA, and I'm not. Just just saying Marais is a puncher's chance, but he has a real, real chance of knocking Henry Cejudo out. I'm going, you know, I might change my mind, but I'm going Henry Cejudo at the moment, but I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I think I think Marais has improved recently as well, but I think Henry Cejudo is improving at a higher clip than uh, his striking is just coming on so much. Uh, and his, his his transitions and obviously uh, I think you scored the fight against Dimitri Johnson for Dimitri Johnson but that was, a, that was a very good fight and a very very good performance whichever way you scored yeah. it like against one of the best fighters ever if not the best fighter ever so mm-hmm. he's clearly he's been in he's 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 been in title fights before in the UFC which Marais hasn't as well so maybe that'll be a factor as well Like, um, but I think I think Cejudo is just going to, if he needs to turn to the rest, it's, it's going to be there and, and it won't be easy to, to, to keep Marais down, but I think I think he's he's special on, uh, wrestling-wise. He's obviously been to the Olympics and won a medal. It doesn't always translate to MMA, but I think for him it has. Mm-hmm. 100%. And there's, there's so many brilliant fights in this card. We have to touch on, on a few of them here. And obviously Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone. I, I know you're a big advocate of... Well, maybe that advocate is not the right word, but you've done a lot of analysis and talked a lot about these two lads over the years. Do you think Tony Ferguson will win this against Donald Cerrone? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think it's a dangerous fight for Ferguson coming back off an injury. Cerrone, we always talk about it. <laughs> he's hit and miss. He's inconsistent, but when he when he's when he's on, he, he's really he can be really good and he's really dangerous for anybody. Um, he's. He, uh, he just uh, can Tony Ferguson put some punches on him early and, and kind of fluster him if he can he's, he'll probably win handily enough mm-hmm. if he can't uh, he's been hit a lot of times before uh, in, in first in first rounds Tony Ferguson has uh, he's, he's a little bit of a slow starter on the feet like he's he, he's been dropped a lot of times he has serious willpower and serious chin to keep going in some of them fights but 
we see we, we we've seen in the past what Cerrone can do. You were talking, I know it was a few years ago now, but you were talking earlier about the Rick Story knockout. Like that's mm-hmm. picture perfect stuff. Like and when Cerrone's on, he can do stuff like that. So it's a, it's a dangerous fight, especially coming back off injury. And Cerrone's been very active, and um, he's been fighting bigger guys as well half the time at one seventy. So uh, it's a. Uh, it's a difficult fight for Ferguson, but if I, if I had a even if they're both evens and I was putting the bet on, I, I go Ferguson, but I wouldn't be confident. I, I agree. Like the last thing, the last time Cerrone fought against Ali Quinta, it was probably the best performance of his career. He, you know, we always talk about Cerrone struggling against lads who are good boxers, and there's no doubt about it. Ali Quinta's yeah, a very beat good the boxer. Shit out of beat, the shit, beat him, beat him easily, like over over five rounds. Now Tony Ferguson, he, I think he's a very good technical boxer as well, but he doesn't use it as much as you know. He, he you'd probably like him to. He'll drag you into a war, and it's very, 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 very hard not to be dragged into a war against Tony Ferguson. And that's why I think he'll win. I think he'll drag Cerrone into the war, and and he'll beat him there. Now Cerrone, there's definitely been questions before about him in that sort of war, but he's answered them loads of times as well. You know, it's, he's won so many fights that. We kind of maybe look at the losses a little bit too much with Cerrone, but I do think against Tony Ferguson it'll just be a little bit too much. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't rule him out at all. You know, he hits, he hits hard. He's very good submissions. He can, he can do it all on Cerrone, and he's improving as well. Um, the one big thing maybe I'd say is Cerrone's second is on very short notice as well, and he looked very, very gaunt before. The Ally Quinta ah, fight. He does this all the time, though. Like, yeah, it, but he he's coming down as well from one seventy a couple of fights yeah, ago. So it's true. Like if it was if it was most fighters, you'd be yeah, you know, that could be a big thing in the fight. But I think it probably will be a little bit of a factor. But I think for Cerrone, it's less of a factor than it would be for nearly other yeah. every other fighter because he's done this before loads of times. It's it's it's, a, it's not a new experience at all for him. Mm-hmm. It's a pity in five rounds, isn't it? I, I I don't know if it'll go five rounds, but maybe it's actually not a pity because maybe the both of them will come out and go hell for leather, you know, yeah. Jose Aldo style if they, if they do it. I I hope that <laughs> should be funny. Um, should be funny. Should be fun. Sorry, Tito Ivasa, but I even after I'm not going to talk about that. That should be a good mm-hmm. fight. I like that. Jimmy Rivera versus Peter Yan. Jesus. Woo! Yeah, I think uh, it's a great fight, but I think Peter Yan. I think Peter Yan's got enough to, to so, win here. Uh, it's very impressive him against John, John Dodson. Like I know Rivera's beaten John Dodson as well, but I think I think um, I think it's a tough fight. I think the odds are a bit wide, uh, but uh, I, I definitely think Yan is 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 the favorite in my mind. If, uh, if you're to do a, a ratio of ability or and maybe toughness in terms of quality and, and technique to people knowing who he is. Jimmy Rivera has to be one of the top people, though. In, in you know, if you're to do that ratio, I think this is a tough fight for Peter Yan. If he wins this and wins it impressively, he this is you're talking about title shots. I know Peter Yan is brilliant, but Jimmy Rivera is no fucking joke either, is he? This is a tough fight, like. Yeah, it is. You know, he he lost to Morris uh, spectacularly, and lost a decision to Sterling. But we, we Sterling has so much potential, uh, so gifted, and when he turns it on, he's brilliant. Like you know, and his other wins are like Thomas Almeida and John Dodson. Uh, recently and like yeah he's kind of quietly been been reading off victories for a long time in the UFC uh, I don't see I don't see any like fanfare behind him that's probably why he hasn't like yeah. if, if he did have a bit of fanfare behind him maybe he would have already got a title shot or a number one contender fight but he's definitely uh, just below that level at least so if Peter Yang can go out there and beat him uh, it, it's a big statement I think it's probably going to be three rounds it's probably going to be a decision for Peter Yang it probably won't go all his own way but he'll probably win comfortably enough mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's a really good test and we'll, we'll, we'll learn a lot about Peter Yang if, if it does go three rounds because Rivera is, is pretty relentless 
Yeah. I'm going to talk about the, the televised prelims in a second because it might be the four best televised prelims fight ever, possibly. Um, but the, the early prelims for Peter Yan's sister, Jean and Yan, <laughs> not, not really, is fighting Angela Hill. She's looked really good. Uh, and, you know, we know what Angela Hill is. De- um, uh, Bevan Lewis looked good uh, as well in his last fight. Girl, one, Angela one Hill. And uh, Darren Stewart, John Calderwood, and Caitlin Chukagan opening up as well. That could be a, a number one contender fight for the women's flyweight. And it's odd that it's there, considering mm. that the title fight is there. But these four fights, whew, on the televised prelims. Let's go from the bottom. Ricardo Lamas versus uh, Calvin Cater. Ricardo Lamas, obviously, a team she and really, really good fighter. Cater has been, you know. Ricardo Lamas is a team machine. Oh, no, I'm gone mad. Jesus. I need to can we, can we just delete this yeah, no sorry I'm I, I thought it was Mirsad back to Jared for a second I'm gonna <laughs> fucking man. I lost the head there anyway yeah how did I do that? I lost it. I just lost it. Okay, let's move on from that. You fight. started thinking about Jordan Henderson raising that trophy again. You <laughs> just got distracted. You. How dare you? Uh, yeah, the, my apologies. Karolina uh, Kovalkovich versus Alexa Grasso. That's a good fight, isn't it? For in in the women's strawweight. Okay, Kovalkovich. Mm, I think yeah, I think Kovalkovich will win handy enough. To be honest, uh, yeah. I think Alexa Grasso is good, well rounded, but I don't think she's great anywhere. Um, I think it's a handy enough probably decision for Carolina. And then I, I, I definitely overestimated these fights now because I fucked up the <laughs> You forgot my head or I was like, wait a second, what, did I miss something? Uh, Pedro Munoz versus Aljamain Sterling though. That's a really good fight. Obviously, you know, Yeah, that is a very good fight. Pedro Munoz won his last fight against uh, Cody Garber knocking him out early. Pre- Brian Carraway and Brett Johns on, on a roll before that as well. You know, and Aljo, as you said there, on his day, one of the best in the world. I'd fancy Aljo. Do you fancy him as well? Yeah, I do, but he's another guy that at any moment it could kind of click and everything could flow and he could be a real force to be reckoned with and could even be a future champion. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is this is no easy fight either, though. Pedro Munez is, is, is dangerous. He's, uh, he's got a really dangerous guillotine as well. Like um, he, He's well-rounded. He's... He, he, it could click for him as well. I don't see ever, him ever being a, a world champion, but uh, if Sterling isn't on top of his game, he, he, he could lose here. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping Sterling comes out and performs, and I, I think he will. Yeah, and Tatiana Suarez in against Nina Andros. Yeah. That's really the fight. I know I'm Nina Andros has made lots, lots of strides recently, and she's looking great, but I think Tatiana Suarez is going to crush her here. Like she's gonna crush nearly everybody in the division. Mm. She's she's as just well, like, She's the princess just, that is promised, isn't she? She's fucking brilliant. Like she's the, the, she's the so hard to stop. Deep. Like if you, she she may not be the most like uh, exciting fighter. A lot of people don't like the ground game, but it's so effective. <laughs> it's so effective uh, what she's doing, and she she's young enough in her career, like seven seven and zero. But she was on the Ultimate Fighter, which doesn't count in your record as well. So she's more experienced than maybe her record would lead you to believe. And she just she just she looks to be getting better and better as well. Uh, since the Ultimate Fighter, obviously she she was very raw, and she's probably still raw. She probably has a lot of room for improvement uh, in other areas of her game. But her her grappling, uh, I think, is is. Is not going to be stopped by Ansarov or or anybody outside of the Duke echelon in the division. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even them. Probably not. I think she's probably going to be champion in the next few fights, next two or three fights. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, I think she's she's absolutely phenomenal, and, and she will be. You know, she 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 will be champion. I I think it's it's pretty safe to say. All right, let's get to a few questions uh, here 
first couple from Patreon. Dan Mack. I've got a question for the next podcast. Seems ESPN is poaching a lot of uh, reporters, journalists from MMA fighting and other outlets. And this happened. Do you think we're in from some sort of great depression for MMA journalism? If they hold the large share of people, um, Brett and Ariel seem to be the ones who break first um, and are going to turn the, the workings beneath. Uh, the t- all everything is going to be broken basically uh, beneath the com- corporation the UFC for ESPN um, and it's basically a question about ESPN and them kind of having a lot of the journalists and being maybe controlled a little by, by the UFC do you think that could become an issue like everything broken now seems to be just be broken by ESPN you know yeah well like it, it was happening for years with like you know Fox it came out that um, Fox and before it came out that MMA Junkie on USA Today were mm-hmm. like you know being given there was some kind of like payments going on there um, so it's, I think it's just it, it definitely isn't ideal but I, I think it's just the same old shit in a different coat yeah, look, I think the, the most unfortunate thing is like Brad Akamoto breaking all these things and him being on a UFC broadcast. I think that looks really, really bad. You know, if you're calling yourself a journalist, I, I think that looks looks terrible, to be honest. And, you know, fair enough, if you want to move over and you want to be like a Megan O'Leary where you're, you know, working for the UFC or whatever, no, you know, no problem. But you should probably come out and say that like. And I know ESPN have it for other sports where they're actually like real journalists covering the sport for, um, you know, for... ESPN but the UFC has always kind of had it very very close and I know Ariel's probably I think he's probably doing a good job of kind of staying away from that and you know covering the sport the way he'd normally cover it away from ESPN but Brett hasn't to be honest uh, so I, I, yeah I think that's an issue going forward but I think they can kind of work their ways around it as well and if you're you know you're a strong enough journalist and you want to report the way that you've always reported I think ESPN will probably stand behind you uh, on that as well and you know you, the UFC and Dana White will definitely you know, try to poke their oar in and try to change those if, if there's something that they don't like. But, you know, I suppose that's a thing that will play out over, over the next while. Uh, Ian O'Neill, Uriah Faber is, has made his comeback. Or he's making <laughs> his comeback. <laughs> MMA retirement. What do we say? Of course he is. Of course he is. What what do you think about Uriah Faber coming back, Graham? What took him so long? Yeah. <laughs> He was just waiting for that Sacramento card so he could come back and hit something <laughs> down. That was, that was actually it. Like, it was, that was all he was doing. But God almighty. Yeah, it's, Sack down. Yeah. It's, it, what can we say? We'll talk about the fight, obviously, when it, oh, when it comes up. Like, I was shocked. I'm shocked. So I'm, oh, I'm, I couldn't believe, believe it. it. I could not believe it. You're all in favour. No Anyone would favour. No way. You'll be fighting Gustafsson. Um, I'm still pinching myself. Yeah, me too. Uh, a few more. Don Stickney. We'll answer more of these lads' questions over on the, the Q&A out and Tuesday as well. Uh, what's next fight to make for Anthony Smith? Do you think the Rackage fight maybe makes sense next? Um, like uh, I was kind of talking about it earlier. Is, is it? It's hard to know if, if uh, he's ready. Like it's obviously a really impressive finish against Manoa, but we didn't really see that much. Uh, I think I think maybe give him another one before that. But who else? Who else? Do you like? Do you give? Mm, it's it's tough. It's a tough one. Um, there isn't much there. Um, nobody's coming to mind at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the Rackage fight. I think that fight makes a little bit of sense. Even if Thiago Santos loses to John Jones, maybe that fight again. Obviously, Thiago Santos is a win over him at middleweight, so maybe that fight makes sense there again. What about Jan Bl- Blakovic? Yeah, he lost recently, though, didn't he? I think he did. Maybe. 
yeah mm-hmm. but that that you know just wins and losses don't mean as much these days anyway even if he did in in and know, never really did. and they never really did but even the way they're being matched by now but anyway um sam gormley i'll answer this more in the q a but he asked if you could make one change to judging criteria and may rules what would it be i'd have for fin scrabs i wouldn't take away a point i'd give the victim their choice whether it's stand up or <laughs> having having the uh, fight on the ground or wherever they wanted against the fins, maybe that's what I do. I take away. You cannot take away a point for fin scrabs unless there's like five of them or something like that. But and then it, you know you people would stop grabbing the fins in because they'd get a position taken away from them, so it, it didn't mean nothing. But there you go. Um, mm. All right, couple of questions here, and if you're not a soccer fan, turn off the podcast right now. Zach Redmond and Simon Darty, how do I black? A uh, block all Liverpool fans on Facebook. What do you think happens to Origi next season from uh, from Zach Redmond? Right, go on, Graham Gloat. Go on. Um, Origi, I think he's. I think he deserves a new contract. Uh, he's obviously not the. <laughs> he's, he, I think he probably didn't complete a pass all night when he came on. He was all over the place, but he, he just pops up with these really important goals uh, time after time, mm-hmm. uh, especially this season. So he's. Uh, I think he deserves a new contract. Uh, I think it's it's. You know his resale value will, will improve with a new contract anyway, so I think it makes makes sense. And if you want to keep him, or even if you don't, I think they'll be more interested in him now than than from other clubs than there ever has been. Um, obviously high profile wins, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what you think I of think the game stays, overall? What you think of the game? Yeah, I think it was a terrible match. Liverpool played really badly. I think scoring early kind of made it. Sometimes makes these game strange uh, I think it was a, a soft penalty but I think it was a penalty if you're <laughs> trying to hail a taxi in the middle of the, the box in the first minute of the game it's ridiculous Look, but, Jim, uh, you, you know very well it wasn't a penalty I think most people yeah. would, would acknowledge it wasn't a penalty like let's be, let's be honest about it but look I know you always say it and I'm robbing your point but you know the butterfly effect things like one terrible decision like that changes the whole game and you know Tottenham, Tottenham played okay Liverpool played terribly but you know Tottenham didn't I, you know said Tottenham deserved to win it would be harsh I, I think just because it was it was a bad final and I don't know it, it that early penalty like that early horrendous decision just changed fucking everything like it, it actually ruined the game I think I don't think the game would have been half as bad if that didn't happen because Liverpool kind of sat back and were trying to hold the lead a little bit and you know even like little thing now they didn't you know go six million behind the ball or anything but like little things like holding back when Aaron when you wouldn't go to that sort of thing just kind of ruins the game and even Liverpool fans this, even yourself you seem a little bit muted after it it just I don't know there was something about the final that I don't know am I totally wrong I, I could be just being no I, I really I really enjoyed it obviously um, I think uh, it was kind of expected to win it was uh, it was just, yeah. it was if different were, if you weren't playing Tottenham you know, I don't think you would have won that game it was lucky you were playing Tottenham like they played so horrendously like Klopp fucking bottled it again like playing such a shit brand of football for the whole game like you know I was I was right like what I said was if Tottenham, you were lucky you were playing that first Tottenham, goal, that's though, the only that, way that, that early goal kind of does that to a game a lot of the time. Yeah, you're lucky. It changes you're the mentality a lot. Lucky you were playing Tottenham. If that was if that was another team, like if that was Man City there last night, they would have won like a hundred percent. They would won because they wouldn't have bottled it like Tottenham after that early goal, and they would have come back and they probably would have beaten Liverpool four or five one, like because Liverpool were so shit, because Klopp put them out so shit, and they played terribly. He bottled it again. Let's be honest there. I think having a three week break is 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 strange for both teams as well, though very strange like mm. it's it's different than you it doesn't really happen and it's hard to keep the, the, the sharpness and the focus I'd say yeah it was it was stupid you know, we talked about that in the preview last week as well. that break was I don't know it just I don't know it didn't make any sense really I don't know but yeah you're you're very muted there Graham you don't like are you, did you get, you got like a text message or something just to go somewhere or something 
Yeah, I have to go, actually. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. All right, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. We'll probably do like a soccer podcast or something during the week or next week or something. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, review the whole season. So we'll do it there anyway. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. And all that's left to do is the inspirational quote of the week. Always do what you're afraid to do. We'll see you next Monday. Or just watch Tuesday. I don't know. Next week.